When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello there and welcome to a brand new Arsecast right here on arsblog.oleole.com. I hope you're well. I have to admit being slightly unwell recording this. Uh, it stems from yesterday when I went to the butchers to buy meat, as you do. And the butcher also has a very nice fish counter, so I bought some fish as well. And they had uh, some mussels, so I bought some mussels, which myself and Mrs. Bloggs ate last night. Now, she's fine. I, however, must have got a John Terry muscle. A kind of scabby, gone-off, putrid kind of muscle. Because it's required me to be in very, very close proximity to a toilet at all times today. It's now 9.17 in the evening, and this has been going on since... I don't know, about 9.17 this morning. So if you hear any funny noises, uh, it's probably just my stomach gurgling away, ridding itself of the last of the terrible muscle. And if you hear any girlish, high-pitched, pain-filled shrieking, that's just the burn. So, on this week's Arsecast, joining me in a few moments' time to talk about Arsene Wenger's press conference yesterday, uh, where he spoke about Skilacci, uh, Mark Schwarzer, and looking ahead to the Blackburn uh, game, I was going to say Blackpool, Blackburn, uh, will be John Cross from the Mirror. Uh, we've got some talk shite radio and other bits and pieces as well. Um, we will be looking ahead to the Blackburn game, as I said. Um, Arsene Wenger's some interesting quotes about the way Blackburn play football. Um, so what's happened between the last Irish cast and this Irish cast? Well, not down to me anymore. I've uh, handed that job over to Internet Joe. I'm Internet Joe, and here's me 30-second roundup. Blackpool at home. The clock is back. Theo Walker hat-trick. Shut up, Hanson, you devil-worshipping rim-jobber. Shamak attack. Rosicki's good again. Where's our new goalkeeper? Skrilacci's had a medical. Nothing on the official site. Still nothing. What's going on? I'm desperate. We're going to have to make something up. Put it on Twitter. Schwartz has failed a medical. And another one. And another one. Skrilacci! He follows about 18 different people on Twitter who have had various reliable sources inform him of the medicals that Mark Schwartzer has failed in this week alone. He's failed so many medicals, he's probably on a life support machine right now. That's if you're to believe everything you read on, on Twitter. And uh, it's a very strange thing that's going on at the moment on Twitter. 
Um, I, I don't doubt that there are people who do have some connections with the club, whether it's coaching staff or friends or people who are working there, and do get some uh, good information, which they quite happily share. But there seems to be this culture developing now where there are people trying to outdo each other with the inside information that they get. And most of it, I suspect, and I'll stand to be corrected quite happily, but most of it, I suspect, is educated guesswork. Look at uh, Skilachi. On Sunday night, Sevilla uh, put a story up on their website saying, well, we've agreed with Arsenal, he's going to London tomorrow to have a medical. And there are people who say uh, on Twitter, wow, the Sevilla website has just announced that um, Skilachi is coming to London to have a medical and they've agreed a fee with Arsenal, which is the news. And then you have people who say, I've just been told that Skilachi is coming to London for a medical tomorrow and Arsenal have agreed a fee. Yeah, you've been told by, by who? By the Sevilla website. And then the rest of it goes on during the weekend. You see, uh, I'm told that uh, the medical went well and everything's done and dusted and he's going to be announced tomorrow. Good guesswork, because normally all things going well, it doesn't take a great deal of time to, to sort a deal out. Sometimes it does, though, and that's where things start getting a little bit iffy. Because the reliable information that you got that it was going to be announced tomorrow is now wrong. And then you can say, well, there was a slight delay because he's gone back to Spain to get his pants. He forgot his pants. He's gone back to Spain to get his pants. Deal will be announced later on or tomorrow. And then later on arrives and tomorrow arrives and uh, he still hasn't been announced. So there's either a tremendous prankster inside Arsenal somewhere sending out all this vague false information to various people on Twitter or people are just sort of making stuff up. And it's all very odd. You know, I know there's a, an immediacy about Twitter. that News breaks on there now. Sometimes you find out something on Twitter before it's on any news site. And that's great. But if the reliable source that you have, or the trusted source, keeps getting stuff wrong, it's not really that trusted at all, is it? Anyway, just thought I'd um, opine on that. Uh, before we talk to uh, John Cross, oh, I want to mention Shamak uh, against Blackpool because uh, I was a bit afraid for a while uh, particularly in the first half and then very much in the second half after he missed that chance that Arshavin set him up for, that his home debut, his, his proper home debut, was going to be remembered for the misses. Um, and he probably should have scored a couple, at least. Certainly the Arshavin one, at least one of the Theo ones. The keeper made two very good saves from him. So I was really glad to see him get off the mark with the, uh, with the goal uh, from the Robin Van Persie corner. Uh, it shows he's good in the air. He's not the Moroccan Bentner against Burnley. You remember, of course, Bentner couldn't score for love nor money against Burnley last season. Uh, and I think had he gone through that game without scoring, it might have been, uh, number one, very damaging for his confidence. And number two, it would have been a stick with which to beat him if he didn't score for another couple of games. And you know what the newspapers are like. 
Remember, it took Thierry Henry 10 games, I think 10 games, to score his first Arsenal goal. And everyone was going, and things were a lot more uh, relaxed back then. There wasn't the same hype and, you know, it wasn't quite as bad as things are now, where somebody has one bad game and they're terrible, one good game and they're the best player in the world. Imagine going 10 games without scoring now. You will want to be lined up and shot. So I'm glad for Shemak that he he got his goal. Uh, Right then, to talk a little bit more uh, about our new signing, who still hasn't officially been announced. Reliable sources on Twitter tell me that it hasn't been announced yet. Uh, And to talk a bit more about what's been going on this week, I'm glad to welcome back John Cross from The Mirror. Hi, John. Hello. Arsene Wenger confirmed at his press conference yesterday another defensive signing, Sebastian Squilacci from Sevilla. Um, a good deal, in your opinion? Yeah, I do think so. Um, I, th- I think it's you know it's been a long drawn, drawn out process this week, hasn't it? Really, um, uh, it seemed to have taken a little bit longer. I think there's always you know sort of contractual problems, sort of perhaps to overcome a little bit. Um, I, I chuckled away about some of the some of the suggestions that there were no cues at the Arsenal shop for his picture picture um, <laughs> to be taken, but um, I, I think it was kind of you know I, th- I think they've got a really good deal on it to be honest. Um, I think they're getting him in for about three million pounds, um, and so I think there was a bit of um, haggling going on. I don't I think he only had a year left at Sevilla, so I think they've driven a hard bargain, got him on a three year deal. And um, you know he's combative. I think that's what I like about him sort of the, the most. Um, I can't say I've seen too much of him, if I'm honest. Since he's, uh, you know, since since his name cropped up really last week, um, done a little bit of research on him, and I think he'll he'll be well suited to the Premier League. I must say, I think it'll be um, an, an interesting battle between him and Caselli as to who will be first choice partner for Vermaal. And I think, you know, on on the basis of Caselli's performance at Liverpool, and he will definitely start at Blackburn. I think he's going to take some shifting. Mm, uh, but what he does add, I mean, uh, as well as that great competition, which I think is is very necessary, he adds a, a measure of experience to the to the centre of our defence, which isn't um, particularly experienced for Malin, Of course, is seen as a senior player, and he's got uh, you know plenty of experience at Ajax, but it's still fairly young. Because only the same Juru, and um, we don't see an awful lot of him, and hasn't uh, hasn't had the chance to build up some experience. So, um, bringing somebody like Skilachi in is is uh, I think very clever. Yeah, no, absolutely. I do think I think you really need an experienced head at the back. I think Sol Campbell, when he sort of kind of finally got into his into his full stride and, and gained his full fitness last season, I think you saw the difference his influence and experience really made. And he, he was absolutely vital, I think, to Arsenal's running last season. No, you know, no matter that it slightly petered out towards the end, he really kept them going through through games. I felt, and he was magnificent in, in some games. Mm. It's not just the individual's performance, but it's what he adds to to the dressing room. This might sound really strange, but you know, a lot of the sort of the, the coaching stuff really respected sort of Mikel Sylvester when he sort of came in because he was a good, steady head. I know he he, he was far from you know <laughs> satisfactory as a player and had a bad time, but. Sometimes it's what he adds, you know, in the dressing room. And I think Wenger, you know, sort of will appreciate that. I still think there'll be, you know, room for perhaps, uh, you know, a Mark Schwartz. And I think it's just noticeable that Arsene Wenger sees perhaps last season the failings maybe towards the end. That he's got a really talented group of players, but they are young players. And those experienced heads that can sometimes sort of add a little bit. You know, if you if you look at sort of you take on face value that. Um, uh, Vermaal and Caselny would be first choice pairing. They're very young, and I think you know that's why I think that uh, Scratchy would be such a good signing. 
All right. Well, while fans will be reassured, of course, by the the signing of another central defender because we needed that very badly. The goalkeeping situation is still up in the air and, and everyone, I think, is is sort of desperate to, to find out what's going on. Is he going to bring anybody in? The Mark Schwartz's situation is interesting because he, he hasn't featured at all for Fulham. I know there's, there's talk of an injury, but we know he's handed in a, a transfer request. Uh, was the manager in any way forthcoming yesterday about what might be happening in that area? No, I think he's caused, um, to be honest, a little bit of you know, sort of unease between the two clubs. And Arsene Wenger is is perhaps economical with the truth at the best of times over transfers. And so when he was asked directly about Schwarzer um, at the press conference, he simply rather dodged it and said, I've got four goalkeepers uh, that I'm very happy with and I'm sort of, you know, settled on that. Um, and so we'll just see what happens. But at the, at the moment, the transfer market is dead. But... You know, we'll, we'll wait and see what happens. He did leave it hanging a little bit. I think some people misinterpreted it as, you know, Arsenal finished their business. Well, he actually contradicted himself and went back to say, you know, there is perhaps room for one more. I actually think, and I'm pretty damn confident, that Schwartz will sign before the transfer deadline. Uh, it has been a long, drawn-out affair. I first wrote about it May the 15th. It's etched in my brain. And I can't mm. believe that three months further down the line... Um, you know, it's, it's still dragging on. I think there was a really sort of uh, strange situation last week when, you know, I think Fulham was sort of saying privately that basically Arsenal had gone back with the same offer. So I understood that Arsenal put £3 million down on the table um, towards the end of May. Um, Fulham, I think, gave them the impression that, well, there's so much going on with the manager situation with Roy Hodgson that we'll wait and see. Arsenal, I think, reminded them that the offer was still on the table last week and it was £3 million. And that's when Fulham said, well, they've come back with the same offer. Arsenal, I think, saw it differently from that, but it just kind of hopefully gives you a little bit of context as to what was going on. Schwartz, who's desperate to come, um, it's difficult to keep a player against their will. Um, despite the fact he signed a new contract with Fulham in, in April. He just wants to come and it's a great opportunity, I think, for him not only to extend his career at a great club and a club pushing for the Champions League, but potential for coaching in the future. And I just think it will get done, um, and all the signs are that I'm hearing, I'm pretty sure it will get done before the window shut. Well, that's uh, that's slightly reassuring. And beyond that, when Arsene Wenger talks about the one uh, space for one more player, you reckon it's the goalkeeper? Yeah, most definitely. I think if that happens, I think it's late in the day now. I think, obviously, there have been inquiries about Almunia, um, from Spain and from Turkey, um, I, you know, listen. Any agent will tell you that that even now, with a few days to go, um, deals really have to be in place. You know, it's so rare. I see people on sort of deadline day, you know, sort of on Sky, kind of saying that you know about sort of 11 p.m. Oh, we'll wait and see if they make a late swoop for such and such with the deadline at midnight. I mean, do me a favour. You know, <laughs> those deals so rarely happen. You've got to have phone calls in place, you know, people in place, you know, ideas set up. You just can't do a deal that quick. You really can't. I mean, Spurs have, you know, done some real deadline day business, you know, in the last few seasons, and they push it pretty close. But you know what? I think most managers will have a name on their checklist, you know, by now um, to to bring in. And with that in mind, I think it's a little bit late for Elminia. So I think that perhaps the scenario that I might see happening is that, Arsenal have got a loan deal set up for either Sesney or Manoni to go out, and so they'll retain four keepers, perhaps with 
Amunia in, in reserve and Fabianski is third choice. That's how I see it panning out. If they can do a last-ditch deal for Amunia to let him go out, because he obviously wouldn't want to be number two, then great. But it is late in the day now. I know we're sort of, you know, talking and it's Friday and you've got until Tuesday. But honestly, it's kind of further down the line than that, I think, as most clubs are concerned. All right. OK, well, we'll wait and see what happens. It'll be a, a busy weekend. Um, let's look back to last weekend very quickly and uh, uh, 6-0 uh, demolition that was the scoreline of the weekend uh, of Blackpool. Um, I, I want to touch on Theo Walcott because obviously his hat-trick um, was the standout performance uh, and he spoke this season about wanting to push on and, and obviously reacting to being left out of England's World Cup squad uh, in the summer. Uh, there was a little bit of criticism um, from, from Alan Hansen on Match of the Day and while there was a little bit of I suppose, a merit to what he's saying, that he's got to do it against. Uh... Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive & June. Olive & June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive & June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive & June, too, is it's a quick dry. It dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The bigger opposition, maybe the timing wasn't quite right. Uh, and for Theo to score a hat trick at home like that, it, it's only going to give him uh, confidence going forward. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'll tell you what, I thought that what I took exception about Alan Hansen's comments were I just think it contradicts itself. He said he hasn't got a football brain mm. and yet does the really good thing by instinct. Well, surely instinct comes from your brain, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, oh my going mad. Um, but I thought that was really, I think that was really unfair. And I think that timing is everything. And it's difficult to justify such stinging criticism from the back of a 6-0 win when that player scored a hat-trick. I think we all know that Theo Walcott, and I think Theo Walcott, you know, having spoken to him and seen him privately, would say that, yeah, he's got... He's got things to, to learn. He, he, he's young, he's 21, his game can improve. And I think the thing that I think you know drives perhaps Arsenal fans mad is that he's got great pace and great skill that can get him into great positions where he can put over a cross in a final ball, but yet he wastes it then. That is the frustration for me. The rest of the game is really getting there. I think he's really making progress. He needs a really good injury-free season and um, and I think that will you know, help him absolutely no end. I think it could be a good year for Theo, I really do. But I think we do go back to the, the old thing where you see Theo play all the home games, but loses his place in the majority of the away games to Emmanuel Bouet. 
as you know, the manager goes perhaps you know safety first, a little bit more caution, and if those three are three are into away games, um, just for that sort of last minute of sort of you know extra burst, if you, if you like, to sort of perhaps if they're chasing a result or, or need more goals, and I think that that's a difficulty for perhaps a modern player these days, um, you know, to deal with that kind of rotation. I think Theo's confidence, you know, perhaps will suffer at times because of that. But I do think, you know, he's a player on the up. You know, he's got the world at his feet. And that's why some of the criticism, I think, is so over the top. He's a really nice lad and he's down to earth. And I think if there's one player that can sort of come through these tests, then it's Theo Walcott. Okay, good. Well, I suppose it's up to him as well to play himself into the team. Uh, for those uh, for those away games, looking ahead to this weekend, Blackburn um, traditionally difficult opponents for Arsenal. Um, there'll be a much more uh, vigorous challenge than Blackpool. Uh, certainly, uh, from a physical point of view, is there the sense that this team? He brought in Shamak, he brought in Koscielny, and he was very pointedly talking about how both of those players were fighters. Um, th- that sort of spirit that's been missing a little bit from. Uh, from the Arsenal team in the past last season at Blackburn wasn't good. Is there more a sense that this team can stand up for itself or, or is that yet to be seen? I think it's I think it's kind of almost yet to be seen. I think a lot will depend on the new goalkeeper. I think, you know, Schwartz, uh, not only is he sort of give the opportunity for younger keepers still to regress, but he's very good on crosses. He commands the, the area a lot more. Now Moon is in goal. We kind of know that, you know, if you if you hit a cross, then Almunia's sort of, you know, crossing ability sometimes in the last year or so hasn't been great. And I do think a goalkeeper um, signing will give the team so much more confidence. I think Caselny, perhaps you can look at him, he's on the smaller side. He looks very similar in stature, stature to um, Marlon. Um And I do think, you know, that that's, you know, tough. I love Vermaelen's sort of, you know, real determination. I think that's great. But I do think almost it's like Arsenal need that confidence, you know, from a few good gritty away wins. And once they get that, they can build up that sort of a belief, if you like. I'll tell you what was really interesting from his press conference. Arsene Wenger was asked perhaps about sort of those tactics and, and, and so on. And then from nowhere, he plucked um, that, that little line about Brian Shaw crossing Robert Hoof from last Saturday um, when they played against Tottenham and he, he, basically, he sort of said, you know, those the tactics they used to bully Gomez um, were more out of the rugby pitch, really, um, <laughs> than on the football pitch. Mm. Now, you know, I don't know, people will sort of say, oh, the media's stoking up what Wenger said. Believe you me, there's always method to Wenger's madness. And he will, I think, uh, subconsciously have thought, how can I make uh, the physical part of this game news how can I put it out there? And this will have been his way, in my view, simply because he will sort of just have planted to see, perhaps subconsciously to the referee, I think Chris Foy this weekend is, sort of made him think, actually, Arsene Wenger's on about the physical aspect. I've got to look out for that. No, I shouldn't look out for it. But it's there in his brain because he would have seen the headlines. And you know what? Those little things might just, just influence the referee. Fergie has been doing it for years, mm. and I think it's just a real masterstroke of that. So, you know, I think every, every time you sort of read Arsene Wenger sort of saying something, it's 99% of the time it's there for a reason, and I think it might just help Arsenal this weekend. Robin Van Persie has a great scoring record against Blackburn. Cesc Fabregas, obviously a hugely important player. He's been easing them back into the season. Any hints on whether they'll be involved from the start? 
Well, you know, it was interesting that, that I mean, there's a little glint in his eye. Actually, I asked him about Fesh Fabregas. He said, oh, yes, he's in the squad. He'll be involved, don't worry. And, um, you know, just, you know, why, why do you think we fought so hard sort of thing, you know, to keep him last season? I think he'll start. I think with Robin, I think it might still be a case of perhaps, perhaps on the bench because um, he was a little bit more guarded about what he said about them playing together. Um, and whether he sort of, you know, Shemak and Van Persie could actually play in a 4-4-2. And he was, he was sort of really drew back away from that, really. So I, I actually just got a hunch that Fabregas will start and Van Persie might be on the bench. All right. OK, John, we better leave it there. Thank you very much. We'll talk to you again soon. Absolute pleasure. Look forward to it. Like the song Michael Jackson wrote, especially for him, he is the man in the mirror. You can find him in the newspaper thing that you buy in the shops. Do people go outside their houses these days? Uh, mirrorfootball.co.uk or you'll find John on Twitter uh, twitter.com forward slash John Cross Mirror. Thank you very much to him. We'll talk to him again as the season progresses. Now, before we look ahead to the Blackburn game, it's Talkshite Radio. In on the info, there's been an accident which is causing delays of up to an hour, so avoid if at all possible. We'll have more traffic news in our next bulletin. Thank you very much, Everly Pregnant Australian Traffic Girl. Uh, not by me, I should point out, because I am proud to be a Jaffa. This is Talk Shite Radio, talking shite about sport 24 hours a day. Last weekend was the weekend of the 6-0. Newcastle did it, Chelsea did it, and Arsenal did it, with the help of a hat-trick from Theo Walcott. Now, we know Walcott was left out of England's World Cup squad by Fabio Capello. <laughs> That's right, Capello, you are a donkey. Uh, So there was a little bit of point-proving going on on Theo Walcott's part. He's shown that he's got what it takes. Or has he? One man who wasn't impressed is my next guest, annoying Scottish pundit. Ah, hello there. Most people would say a hat-trick in a Premier League game is a good way to start your season. What has Theo Walcott done wrong? You know, it all comes down to Theo Walcott not having a football brain. If I look at him, I think that's not a guy with a football brain. He's got, like, a badminton brain or a lawn bowls brain. But he still scored a hat-trick. Well, you have to take into account who they were playing. Let's be honest about this. And with no disrespect to Blackpool, you could have gone to a respite home or an amputee's convention and taken 11 people at random and they wouldn't have been worse than Blackpool were on Saturday. So you have to ask why is Walcott only scoring a hat-trick? He should have been scoring more double hat-trick, triple hat-trick. And I'm not exaggerating here, but if Wayne Rooney had been playing, he would have scored at least 17 goals. Now, you know I'm not one for sticking up for Arsenal, but Arsenal won 6-0. He scored a hat-trick. Isn't he entitled to be a little bit happy? Well, if he wants to celebrate mediocrity, then that's fine. Otherwise, he's going nowhere. Wait till he comes up against a proper team. Two banks of four, pace, power, pressing high up the pitch, all that good stuff. Then we can judge Walcott. Annoying Scottish pundits stay with us. So we've got a caller on the line. It's uh, Leo from Hertfordshire. Leo, you're on Talkshite Radio. Oh, hi, yeah, uh, this is Leo, you know, and um, I'd just like to say, you know, to, you know, annoying Scottish pundit that I, you know, really think Theo Walcott is a really good player and he's very fast, you know, he's really good and... What? Don't forget to call him cunt. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're a cunt, you know. <laughs> <laughs> 
Talk Shite Radio, talking shine about sport 24 hours a day. Some people are just so childish. We're going to take a short break when we return. Phil Brown on the crushing loneliness of being Phil Brown. Talk Shite Radio, talking shine about sport 24 hours a day. 24 hours a day. So we look ahead to the Blackburn game tomorrow. Um, the injury news is that Danielson is back. He's in the squad. Uh, there's no uh, Nasri, Benner or Ramsey. But apart from that, everyone else is uh, fit and uh, ready to go, which is good news because it's a difficult place to go. And we've had our um, difficult moments there. Last season, not really one of our great memories, was it? In fairness, we went there without some key players. Galas, Song, Vermalen, Fabregas, Clichy, a couple of others. But, you know, those guys who would give us a bit of physical presence, uh, who wouldn't take what went on lying down. Um, and it will be interesting to see how we cope with that. The addition of Koscielny and uh, Shamak gives us a, a bit more fight, as Arsene Wenger said. And... Make no mistake, Blackburn are going to do what they did last season, and that is um, tactical fouling to stop us getting into any kind of a rhythm. Whenever there's a corner, they're going to crowd the goalkeeper. And it was interesting to read uh, what Arsene Wenger said, and John mentioned it earlier on, about how um, the game is not football anymore. He said, you look at what uh, the way Stoke played against uh, Spurs, and it's not it's rugby on the goalkeepers is what he said. Said it can't go on and referees can't accept that anymore. And he's right because physical presence is one thing and um, challenging for the ball is another thing. But if a player's only intention is to get in the way of the goalkeeper or foul the goalkeeper, then it's got to be a free kick. And we saw it. I think it was one of the um, one of the goals last season. Could have been David Dunn with his huge, huge head. Whether he was backing into Saul Campbell or Fabianski, I can't quite remember. But he was doing nothing but like trying to burrow in between the Arsenal players, like some kind of retarded mole with a giant head. No wonder he's injured all the time. Having to carry around a weight like that on top of his shoulders, it probably throws his back out and that affects his hamstrings and his calf and his groin. He's lucky to be playing as much as he is. Anyway, uh, we've got to, uh, number one, ensure that if they do try those sort of tactics, we protect our goalkeeper, who's likely to be Almunia, which is better than Fabianski, but not as good as Lehman, who wouldn't stand for any of that nonsense. But we've got to protect our goalkeeper. We've also got to make sure that uh, the referee is aware of what they're doing and can see what they're doing, because uh, it is a deliberate tactic. And they'll do that, and they'll hoof long balls. Paul Robinson, anytime there's a free kick in their half you can be guaranteed Robinson will bang it towards our penalty area. And we are, and have been, slightly vulnerable there. But that's what the Walrus does. We know this. Tries to exploit other teams' weaknesses, and, you know, it pays off for him. That doesn't mean he's not a thoroughly despicable bastard, uh, which he is. And just when you thought it couldn't get any worse, seriously, I know, how can Walrus get any worse? We know that Blackburn have got El Hajjouf playing for them, right? And El Hajjouf, alongside history's greatest monsters, is right up near the very top. Like right up there, with his face and arms and things. 
Just a terrible, terrible man. But Blackburn have got another juve. Honestly, they've gone double juve on us. As if one wasn't bad enough, they've got one on loan from Manchester United. I don't know his name. is Marvin Juve or Trevor Juve or something. It doesn't really matter. It's the surname part that's important. So not only will we have to put up with Blackburn's tactics, their fouling, their physicality, their long balls, their gum-chewing, walrus-looking manager on the sidelines, their mongoloid fans who, every time one of our players gets kicked and injured, sing same old Arsenal always cheating, we have to put up with all that and two juifs. And I think that is an abomination. It should be against Premier League rules. Two juifs. I mean, come on. Anyway, um, fingers crossed that the team can stand up to whatever Blackburn have to throw at them. Uh, because coming back from there and going into an international break with three lovely points uh, in our back pocket and on the table would be very, very nice indeed. So I'm going to keep my fingers crossed for that. And uh, that's more or less it for this week. Um, there may well be an RS cast next week. I'm not quite sure. Even though there's an interlull coming, maybe we'll do something next Friday. Uh, we'll wait and see what happens in terms of news and what develops during the week. So until then, or until the next one, uh, talk to you all week on the blog. Take it easy. Cheers. Bye-bye. Well, Mr. Schwarzer, everything seems uh, in order. All the tests have come up Trump's brain. You've got one of those. Sets you apart from most Premier League footballers. What? <laughs> Eyesight is good. Heart, well, it's beating. Not really sure what else they want. Arms and legs, all present and correct. Fingers and toes and, uh, you know, blood work is good. Final thing, we just have to uh, do the prostate exam. So, if you could just bend over there. Uh, yes, drop the trousers. Uh, might be a little uncomfortable at first. I'm just going to get my leg finger out here. And, uh, Mr. Schwarzer, Mr. Schwarzer, if you don't come back, I'm going to fail you on this medical. Oh, your bloody never works. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.